Good morning, Missio. Our reading today is from Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever just as he promised our ancestors. Johnny Morrison, I'm one of the pastors here. If you're new, it's good to have you. Um, those videos were awesome. I was kind of like actually stunned by how appropriate they were and don't feel like I need to say anything else about the Song of Mary. We'll just let those videos go. Maybe the band can come back up and we can just like wrap this thing up early. Um, <laughs> it was really cool. I really like blessed by that. Um, before we get into the text, I want to talk about a tradition that Missio has, and we've been doing it since the beginning of Missio. Before I was here, I think even before HC was here, an old-standing tradition that Missio has during this season of Advent, what we call our Advent offering. And this tradition, this Advent offering, it came out of, for us, a desire to do Advent differently. Advent, the season, is so often kind of like consumed by all the things that culture does as Christmas. And so like we enter into Advent, and then instead of it being a season of expectation and waiting and telling the story of Jesus, though we want it to be those things, it very quickly becomes a season of consumption and anxiety. This is so true of our culture that psychologists have a phrase for it. They call it Christmas blues, that there's so much tension and anxiety that comes into it that when we end the season, it feels like we're more exhausted than ever. And that feels like a miss of what Advent is supposed to be. A season of entering into the story of Jesus. A season of generosity, of receiving the gift of God's presence so that we might be present to one another and so because of that, like because we want Advent to be differently, and to be celebrated different, and to be entered into differently, we thought one way to do this as a community, it's a simple thing, a small thing, but a challenging thing to us, that one way that we could do this is to spend our money a little differently. That instead of spending so much money on presents and gifts, which are fine and can be good, but I think, what is it, the America last year spent like $460 billion on gifts, which is like enough money to solve every financial problem just ever. It was like, instead of doing that, like what if we spend a little less and we think about gifts differently? Then instead of buying a new thing, we think about how do we be present to one another? How do we make something with one another? How do we curate a memory or an experience with one another? And then because we're spending differently, that actually frees up some resources that maybe we could direct towards generous effort. 
So over the last couple of years, what we've done for our Advent offering is try to provide a space where we could direct that funds that don't go towards presents. And we have partnered with some like really cool organizations over the last handful of years. An organization that we've partnered with over and over again is called Healing Waters. We've partnered with uh, small church plants or big church planting efforts. We've partnered with local ministries like um, Red Light, which some of you have been involved in. We've partnered with other local ministries in the city. And, and I, was, I was actually curious as to how, like, what that partnership has looked like over the last couple of years. Like, we've been doing it since 2011, I think, this Advent offering. And I wanted to know what it was like and what we could celebrate out of that. And I couldn't find the numbers for anything previous to 2015. But through Advent offering from 2015 to now, we have given away, because of the community, $30,802. So it's basically five months. It sounds like five years, but it's basically five months of doing Advent offering. We've been able to give this money to healing waters, to church planting organizations, to local ministries, which is just amazing. Like, it's something really worth celebrating that this small gift of generosity has had such large impact on the city around us. And so we want to do it again this year. We want to enter into Advent differently and to celebrate it with our generosity as opposed to with our consumption. And I think, honestly, as we were prepping to talk about this, it feels a little risky to do Advent offering this year. Um, we talked about this like about a month ago, like giving is down at Missio. Giving is down at churches all across the United States um, because of COVID and whatever that brings with it. Finances are tight in so many people's homes, so it does feel a little risky. But as we reflected on that, well, it just felt like, what do we do when things feel risky? Well, we risk and trust that God is who he is. He is. And that we are who we say we are. That to be the people of Jesus means to be a people of generosity, to be a people of presence, to be a people of commitment. And so we want to enter into Advent that way and risk in that way. So this year we're partnering with two organizations. Again, we're going to partner with Healing Waters to provide clean water in sustainable ways all over the world. They do like filtration systems. Right now they're doing a ton of like hygiene kits because of COVID-19. Ken Timbo, who's here, sits on of Healing Water, so we have like a personal relationship with them, and over the years have been able to continue to support the work they're doing. And then the second institution that we're going to support is the Vine Institute, which is this amazing little Bible training program, seminary education program here in Utah. And it emerged out of what used to be Salt Lake Seminary. Utah used to have a seminary. Um, and out of the like the seminary emerged this training program that focuses specifically on refugee and immigrant pastors who don't have the same kind of access to traditional seminary that is just a privilege to have access to. And it normally comes from a place of privilege. It's expensive, it's time-consuming, largely inaccessible. So what the Vine does is it takes seminary-style education but roots it in ministry that matters for these like pastors who are often brought into leadership because there's no other option. So it provides just amazing Bible training, leadership training to pastors in Salt Lake City. So we're partnering with these two organizations, and all the money that we raise from Advent offering will go towards those two organizations. So the way that that works, the way that we do that this year, is um, if you would like to give to the Advent offering, 
wherever we, you'd give, so that's our website or the app or through texting, there should be a drop-down menu. And one says general giving and the other one says advent offering. And you can give right there in the advent offering. An advent offering will be open from today all the way to Christmas Eve, the end of Advent. And for us, we, in, we intend it to be like an above and beyond. Like because we're celebrating Christmas differently, we can go this direction. And at the same time, as we say all those things, know that it's just one way that we enter into the season differently. Hopefully it's like an invitation to you to, to rethink what it is that Advent is, how we celebrate Advent, how you enter into Advent. Here is an option. Here is a way of doing that. But it's not enough. There's other questions that begin to emerge, like what practices can you do with your family, or how can you give presents, especially in the midst of COVID? There's new questions about how do we celebrate Advent. So that's what we're doing, and we'll talk about it probably more over the next couple of weeks, maybe highlight each individual ministry, the Vine Institute and Healing Waters, and tell more stories through those things. But that is our Advent offering for 2020. Let's uh, pray, and then we'll talk about Mary. Jesus, thank you that you are with us. You are always with us, but today as we enter into the season of Advent together as a community, we remember that you are with us uniquely and specifically. Remember your incarnation that you took on flesh. We remember your vulnerability that you were a baby. Today as we say that you are with us, we remember that you are with us. Not in some ethereal, ambiguous, spiritual way, but physically, tangibly embodied with us. Because Heather prayed, would we have a new awareness of that today? We know what it means that you're with us. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. So, as Heather introduced, we are in the season of Advent, the season of telling the story of Jesus' arrival into our world. And to do that, to like guide us through the season of Advent, we are looking at these prayers of expectation, these prayers of hope that surround the birth and arrival of Jesus. And there's a handful of these different prayers, and they come from people who are real, like real people who are really hoping in Jesus and they're really waiting for Jesus and they have real struggles and real expectations and real doubts about what it is that God is doing in the midst of them. And these stories are powerful. These prayers are powerful, I think, for us this year because they offer us a place to belong in the story. Because they are real and because they are grounded in real life, we find a place to belong. We find a place in the story of a young woman who is drawn into uncertainty and expectation. We find a place to belong in the story of a dusty old religious leader who is led into hope that defies his age. And we are led into a story of Simeon and Anna, the faithful watchers who finally get to see the dawn that they've been hoping for. And in these prayers of real people who have real hopes and real expectation and real struggle, we get to find a place to belong in the story of Advent. And unlike years prior, I think that we are uniquely ready for the season of Advent this year. 
This has been a year for all of us, regardless of who you are or what your individual life experience has been like. This has been a year of uncertainty and waiting. Not wholly bad, not wholly bad waiting or bad uncertainty, but a year of uncertainty and waiting. In the story of Advent, the prayers of these people in Advent speaks directly to our waiting. It sees our uncertainty, it names it, and then it draws it into the story of God. Offering us a hope, and yet at the same time, offering us a deeper longing. So the story of Advent does, it names our uncertainty, it names the anxiety that we might have, the, the sense of liminality, this unknownness that we have in our own lives, it names that, sees it, gives it a place to belong, but then at the same moment, it like curates in us a deeper longing for something else. And that is the weird tension of Advent. The weird kind of paradox that is Advent. Because Advent is both about hopes fulfilled and also hopes delayed. It is about arrival and it is about waiting. It is about expectation and Advent. It is this weird meeting of two things that don't feel like they should go together. This is why I say it's kind of paradoxical in that sense, this weird merging of arrival and waiting. And maybe you're like, that does not sound very hopeful or helpful to me. Totally get it. But hear me, it is in the tension and the paradox and the strangeness of Advent that we find what we need most desperately because it is where we encounter God. And we see this in Mary's prayer so beautifully displayed, and I think we saw it so beautifully displayed in the videos of moms talking about waiting. See, in the tension of that waiting, in the tension and paradox of waiting for a child or of Mary waiting for this moment, we get to see what the story of Advent is and what the hope of Advent is for ourselves. Just for a bit of context, Mary is a young woman from a very small town, Nazareth, which translates quite literally to the sticks. She's from like a no family. And God comes to her and says, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus and he will be great and he will be called son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This is crazy news. Just, just wild. Just because we're Christians doesn't mean that this doesn't have to sound wild. It is crazy. She is a no-name person from a no-name town, and God arrives and says that she is going to have a baby, and that baby will be God who will reign and rule and rescue the world. It is wild. 
And Mary hears this news, and, and I feel like immediately in her prayer and what we read and what we'll walk through later, we see like that reality of how amazing this is and also how strange of news this is. There's this really good news that's attached to what Mary just heard. Good news that God is about to enter the world. Good news that she's going to be pregnant. Good news that a family will be born. Good news that God will be intimate and personal. Good news that God will be with us. And yet, it is totally terrifying news for Mary. I feel like Annie said this in the video. There is a lot of things that are known about what God just said to Mary and so many things that are unknown. And that is the tension that Mary is invited into in this Advent moment. The tension of known and unknown. She knows that she is going to have a baby, but having a baby brings just as many unknowns as it does knowns. She knows that God is going to do something marvelous in her midst, but that brings just as many unknowns as it does knowns. Practically, she's engaged. If you've ever been engaged, you know that brings knowns and unknowns. And now she's about to drop a bomb in Joseph's lap, and that brings knowns and unknowns. For Mary, the tension of Advent is so much of knowns and unknowns. Knowns and unknowns. But it is in that space, that space where Mary is stretched beyond no ability or stretched beyond control, that she will encounter the presence of God. That's the promise of the moment to Mary is that you may not know what happens on the other side of this strange experience. You may not know all of the outcomes. You may not know what will play out. You may not know anything, but you know that God is going to be with you, that you will encounter God, and that God will be present to you. Mary knows that God is inviting her into the mystery of the Spirit's work. That'll be outside of her control. It'll enter into so many unknown variables. But in that space, she will encounter the presence of God. And Missio, that is the same promise that we have. We don't know so much of what comes ahead of us. We don't know what God is doing. We don't know what the world will look like. People keep asking me what I hope for 2021, and I just keep saying boring. But here's the thing. It won't be. It just won't be. It'll be beyond my control. And that is such a small version of what we see in the story of Mary. My own personal life will be unknown in 2021. The promise is never that I get to control what's happening. The promise is never that I get to manage what's happening. The promise is never that I even get to know what's happening. The promise instead is that in spaces where we are stretched beyond control, stretched beyond no ability, God is with us. That's the promise. Sometimes Heather uses this phrase that I really like where she says thin spaces. It's like those moments where you feel like you're encountering God. When we are stretched into something that we don't know, in that moment in between known and unknown, that's a thin space. Where we encounter the presence of God.
That's the hope of Advent. That we might encounter the presence of God. Now, there's other things that are happening in this text. God comes to Mary, invites her into this unknown space where she will encounter the presence of God. But that's another question, which is what is it that God is inviting her into? Yes, into the presence of him, but into something else. And Mary's prayer goes on to really capture what it is she's being invited invited into, but in the most understated language possible. She says this, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of my humble state. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. She uses this phrase in this text, humble servant, which is true, in, in ways that are just way beyond like what that word means. Here's what I mean. On the one hand, she is humble in that she is a young girl from the sticks. There's a humility to like her status in life. There's a humility to her like social positioning. But there is another greater meaning to this phrase, humble servant, that goes beyond status. And if you jump up to verse 34, when God comes to Mary and speaks to her, we get a bigger sense of what that phrase, humble servant, really means. Mary asks God, how will I be pregnant? How will this be, Mary asked, since I'm a virgin? And the angel who had come to her answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be called Son of God. Mary is a humble servant in that she is a humble recipient and participant of God's work. Mary is a humble servant in that she is a recipient and a participant in the thing that God is doing in and through her. This is also the tension of Advent, that it is mysteriously always human and divine. And that is a weird thing. This is true all throughout the story of Advent and even the story of Jesus growing up. Advent is God in and with Mary in the birth of Jesus, human and divine. But it's also this human and divine reality because Mary, a human, raises Jesus. Like she has to be a mother to Jesus. And that is so human that in just one chapter, she forgets Jesus at the temple. And I I don't think there's anything more human than leaving a child at the mall. And it is human and divine in that God becomes human. And in his humanity, God lives all that it means to be human. That all the realities of humanity, that all the temptations and struggles and pains and monotony of what it means to be humanity, God takes on and becomes. This is what we mean when we say that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. So the theological term is incarnation, enfleshed, embodied. The Advent story is the tension of divine and human. And it is a weird tension, but it is also maybe the most beautiful piece of this entire story that God comes to be with us, taking in 
all that it means to be us, holding the tension in himself. And it means that God chooses to work through people. That God chooses to invite us to be participants like Mary, out of which he might birth something beautiful and whole, that God is using and moving through his people. That is a weird and beautiful tension. The Advent story is this story of tension between the divine and the human. And in this tension, we are known and know. In the tension of God becoming human, we get to be known, seen, heard. The experiences that we have reflected back to us in the God that we worship. And we get to know at a deep, true level what God is, who God is, what God is like. The writer of Hebrews says that we have a high priest who can sympathize with us. High priest who knows, sees, and who we know and see. This is the story of Advent. And there is something that is so beautifully intimate about this story and this tension. We see this even kind of in the way that Mary reflects on it, that it comes to her in personal and intimate ways. But the interesting thing is that it does not stay simply personal or intimate with Mary. Look at verse 51 and verse 52. She's just talked about that God has come to her, blessed her, and then she goes on to say, and his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones that lifted up the humble. In like a second, she goes from, this is a story from me, to he's about to bring a new kingdom. This is like a a thing that I'm encountering to all of a sudden like a political reality. It's so personal, so intimate. And then in the next second, she goes cosmic. And that is the next tension of Advent, that it is always both intimate and cosmic. It is both for you and for the world. This is a feature of Advent that I don't think we talk about much. And I don't exactly know why, but I know we love one image. We love the intimate image of Jesus in Advent. We love the vulnerable image of Jesus in Advent, like the baby in the manger, God's presence with us in this intimate portrait. And we should love that. It means that God is with us in this moment. But just as much as Advent is about God with us personally, Advent is also about God's restoration of his presence to the whole world. About God doing something on a big cosmic scale. It is always both intimate and cosmic. To you and to the world. It is hearts and systems. And sometimes it feels like we have a conflict between those two ideas, but it has to be both. Otherwise, it's not good news. 
It has to be both to me and about healing my own heart and overthrowing systems of evil. Otherwise, it is not good news. It has to be about healing the brokenness in me and healing the brokenness in the world around us. Otherwise, it is not good news. The tension of Advent is that it is intimate and cosmic, and we struggle, I think, sometimes to hold those together, but it has to be both. Because if it's not both, it is not good news. And it is in the tension of the two, the tension of it being intimate and cosmic to you and to the world, that we find our hope. we find what it is that we're hoping in, what it is that Jesus is doing and accomplishing. And finally, the tension of Advent is about waiting and arrival. Mary is pregnant, but at the time of writing this prayer, the baby is not there. And as that's true in her life specifically, it is true of Advent generally. Jesus has arrived, but as we enter into this season, we are reminded that not all things have been finished. Like this work that we just talked about is not over. It's not completed. We're longing for some other arrival, some second Advent, some greater hope. We have a taste of it, but not its fulfillment. The tension of Advent is the tension of the already and the not yet. Like Mary, we have received news, but we wait. Like Mary, God is calling us and inviting us, but we wait for its consummation. Now, how is that helpful to us in the way that these other things are? How is waiting for further rescue helpful? How is delayed hope helpful? Because in the tension of the already, not yet, we find what we are waiting for. We find what it is that we are actually waiting for. Right In our own moment, in our own world, in our own personal hearts, there's a lot of things that we are waiting for, a lot of things that we are hopeful for. We wait for the end of COVID, maybe we wait for the birth of a child, we wait for a future spouse, we wait for a job, we have hopes and expectations and dreams, and we wait for those things, and that's good, and that's right, and that's appropriate. But none of the things that we wait for, in that sense, will put the world right. None of it brings restoration. None of it brings fulfillment. None of it gives the peace that we're hoping for. None of the things that we wait for will put the, the world right. They aren't meant to. It's not their purpose. That's not their goal. They are not meant to. COVID will end and some new crisis will arise. This political season is over Bad news, another one is coming. That's the nature of the world. And the story of Advent tells us, yeah, totally. That is true, and it's okay, because that is not what you are waiting for. 
Those are good things to wrestle through and to hope in, but that is not the ultimate weight. Instead, we long for a bigger hope. We have a bigger set of expectations, a deeper longing. Not just the end of COVID, but the healing of the world. Not just the birth of a child that's good and right, but of a whole new creation. And when we recognize that we have a big hope, a big longing, that the thing that we are actually waiting for is so much bigger than these other smaller things, it gives our other hopes a place to belong. It gives us a place to belong. A thing to wait for. Let me say, this is why I think we have these prayers recorded in this story. To remind us that we are waiting for something more. To remind us that we, like Mary, are waiting for the Messiah. What do we do as we wait? As we hope and as we expect and as we try to enter into those thin spaces to encounter the presence of God. Like, what is it that we do in this moment? And I think maybe the best application out of all of this is we make Mary's prayer our own. We find ourselves in the prayer that she is offering, this prayer of hope and expectation, because it belongs to all of us, whether we are terrified of what is coming next or overjoyed at what is coming next. Mary's prayer is for us. She is both of those things. And whether what we long for is immediate and in this moment, or whether we're trying to draw ourselves into the larger hope that we have, Mary's prayer will guide us into it. Because in Mary's prayer, we see a young woman who says yes to that weird space God invites her into. In Mary's prayer, we see a person who is wrestling with what it means to be known and to know God. In Mary's prayer, we find a person who is finding their hope. And in Mary's prayer, we find a person who's learning what it looks like to wait for something more. So, Missio, this Advent season, would you make Mary's prayer your prayer? And let it draw you into the story of Advent and what it is we're really waiting for. Let's pray. God, as we hear the words of Mary, your mother, would it, I don't know, just press on us in a way that enters us into the story of expectation and hope and tension that is Advent. Would we find our hopes like aligned in you? Would we find the things that we wait for um, picked up in you? Would that story interrupt like the anxieties that we have or the fears that we have in this moment? Would it give them a place to belong? And in, in a deeper sense, would it give us a place to belong? God, as we enter into that story, would we become a people of your story? Who not only curate this hopefulness in you, but also do it in the world around us, revealing there is something better to long for and wait for.
We pray these things in your name. Amen. This year we're going to continue worshiping, song and worship. There's also communion elements with you. I just invite you to take those as you're ready. The table is maybe the perfect picture of the tension that is Advent. Where we have a taste of what God is doing, but it points us towards the thing that God is ultimately accomplishing. And so as you take those elements, would it draw you into the story of Advent and help you worship deeper and curate a sense of what it is God is doing? Keep worshiping with us.